Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, we're going to start a uh, we're going to start a new series today, and because there's so many new people in the church in the last few weeks, and how many of you think that's exciting? The family's growing, right? Okay. Uh, I have this I have this series in my heart on the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes. This isn't my series. I'm going to explain this, but my I have this thing in my heart about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, probably the greatest sermon ever preached, and uh, when Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus gave that, he orchestrated it and conducted it in such a way as an architect that he hit all the major issues that God's people face in life. It's a very powerful, very relevant portion of scripture that I think we have to do, and I think every church should do it every few years. But I felt that because of where the church is at today, that we needed to do a series that really at the onset of this fall, can you believe, can you believe that fall is here? Isn't that incredible? I don't know if you've heard there's a huge snowstorm coming on Friday. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> welcome to Denver if you're new. Um, but we're in, we're in fall, and I really felt that because the family's growing that we, we needed to do a series on what the church believes. Now, not only what the church believes, but what is church? And what is the role of the church in a city? What is the role of a church in our society? Who are we? What are our core beliefs in the church? What do we believe? Because I think that the more that we articulate that, the more that we're going to feel holistic as a church family as we grow. We want everybody to be able to talk about what is the church vision. Our church is to, to build um, a vibrant, life-giving church in the Denver metro area where all people can come together, rallying community, and champion the cause of Christ. We have a vision statement. I think it's really important that you know our core values. I think that our church, if someone says to you, hey, um, what does your church believe? What are their core values? Well, you need to be able to talk about our four core values. And the more that we understand it, the more that we're going to be able to build together. Because if you're going to build together, you have to know what you're building on, right? And so, we're going to get to all of that in the next few weeks. It's going to be a very uh, relevant, exciting series. I, I'm really excited for it. We're going to call it, you know, here's the thing. When creative people get together and they try to come up with names for things, right? Um, some of the names are crazy because they're creative people. And so um, what we do is sometimes I just give up. There's so many names. Just, let's call it this. Let's call it that. Let's call it uh, City Ecclesia. Hola, let's, let's call the series, you know, and so finally, sometimes I just give up. So we're going to call the series Church. Amen. Okay, so everyone say church. church. All right, say it again. Say church. church. Okay, we're going to talk about the church. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start this morning with a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to pray real, real quick, but I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 1. So you can actually get Ephesians chapter 1 ready, but I'm going to read it first from the message translation. I'm going to read it first from the message translation. Um, out of all of the, the verses in the message translation, this is the most prolific. And there's one statement here that has become the most quoted verse in the entire uh, Bible, the, the translation version of the Bible. And I'll point it out when I get there this morning, because this is what I believe church is all about. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, from the message translation first. And all this energy issues from Christ. In other words, it all comes from Jesus. 
God raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heaven. Now, I, think, I love this language because this is not, this is telling us at what part of heaven, who is he in heaven? He's at the deepest innermost part of who, of what heaven is. Jesus sits on the throne, the most innermost part of who we are, right? So it's just a picture in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everyone say the universe. All right. Not just Denver, but the whole universe. All right. So what's going to happen is I want us to start thinking a little larger than our own world today. Today's message is called Galaxies to Governments. And what I'm, what I'm trying to pull from scripture today is that it's impossible to understand where we are on the planet in Denver on this corner if we don't understand who actually is in charge of the universe and that he actually put us here and there's a reason for us being here, okay? So he says this. He says, in deep throne, running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power, exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, now look at this, Christ rules the church. We're not building the church. Jesus is building his church through us, right? Okay, so now that's very important because the, the tendency as you're working, I know we're all hard workers in the room, so we tend to work in such a way that we begin to rely on our own, on our own strength. And Jesus actually likes to come in in those moments when we're relying on our own strength and he likes to bring you something that you didn't have on your own, some energy, a thought. I don't know if you've ever been trying to figure something out and you can't figure it out and you're frustrated. You come to church because this happens to me and you start to worship and right in the middle of your favorite worship song because your brain now has shut off and you're not thinking about all your problems. All of a sudden you're worshiping. Jesus gives you the answer in the middle of the song. And now you're like, now what do I do? Right? I used to carry back in the old days before smartphones, and I know some of you young people wouldn't understand that universe. Um, but I, what I, I used to carry a, a little card in my pocket and a pen, not like this, not that way. It was hidden because I was cool. And so I would, I'd pull the card out, and when I would get a thought in a worship service, I'd write it down real quick so that I wouldn't forget it, and I would put it in my, put it in my pocket. There were songs that we've sung in church and have actually recorded. Um, on records and albums that have gone around the world that actually came to people on our team in a dream at night. People think, oh, that's a great song you wrote. Well, some of the songs were never written. We used to, my wife and I used to actually sit, this is way back before we started recording, we would sit at night. We had these little, these little recorders, these little digital recorders. Again, young people, don't worry about it. And you would push a button. We would actually keep one next to our bed. True story. Because we would have dreams at night of choirs singing. We would wake up and try to remember what the melody was. We'd grab the microphone and start singing it in the microphone. And then we would take it to church and we'd teach it to the worship team. See, we, we are a part of a realm that is bigger than this room. Incredibly, incredibly important. Christ is ruling his church. He's building his church. He's helping his church. But it comes from heaven down to earth. It doesn't go from earth up to heaven. There's no great revelation that you're going to have to help Jesus out with what's going on in the Middle East or Africa. It's not going to happen. What we need to remember is Jesus. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who breathed us into existence. He's in charge. So you don't have to worry. Okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Christ rules the church. Now, the next part of this verse is, is what I was referring to. This next statement. The church, you see, 
is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Very powerful. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. How amazing is that? The presence of Jesus filling everything. But the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. Let's pray. Father, this morning for the next few minutes, I pray that you would anoint our hearts and minds to not only understand, but to receive something. It's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to hear it in our language. And some people are hearing it in Spanish right now. But regardless of what earthly, natural language it is spoken, it is a revelation from God. I pray that the revelation would sit in the deep part of our heart, even as you rule from the deepest part of heaven, that you would sit on the throne of our spirit and our soul in our bodies, and that you would reveal to us something here today that will help us understand not only the role of the church, but our role in it. Lord, we pray that you bless our house today. I pray for every person in this church, whether they've been here a week a year. Some have been here uh, for 30, 40 years. I pray, Lord, if it's their first day that you'd bless them. I'm grateful for them, Jesus. I'm thankful that we could be here today and the doors could be open and people could walk in to worship Jesus and experience the presence of God. We pray a blessing on our house, but we also pray for every church in the Denver metro area. We pray you bless them. We pray for every leader, every pastor, every sermon being preached, every song being sung. Let the anointed presence of Jesus fill every house so that when people walk through the doors, they're not hearing a good sermon or getting a, have, laughing at a really good story, but they're actually coming in contact, contact and being enveloped by the presence yes. of God, which fills everything. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our city, that you would fill our state, with the presence of God that is above and beyond all of our worldly affairs. Lord, today we look to the heavens. We look to heaven. We look to you, Jesus, who is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And we say, Father, you are building your church and help us to do it according to your will and your ways. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. All right, so from governments to galaxies, from governments to galaxies, you know, God really is in charge of everything. And I suppose the, the thing I want us to get this morning is that every once in a while, it's really good to take our eyes off of what's going on in our life. Does anyone here have issues? Okay, like 10 of you raised your hands. You, you, either, either some of you are just lying, that's your issue, or the, the other, or the other 10 of you really need help today. I want to be there for you, okay? So we've, we've all got our stuff, but you know, if you, if you focus on what is happening in, just on your stuff, what happens is you forget that there's another person focusing on your stuff who is above your stuff. And, and what happens is you'll wear, your, you'll wear yourself out trying to figure out how to handle something at work or in a relationship. You're going to wear yourself out. And a person who is truly kingdom-minded steps back and every once in a while and just goes, hey, I'm going to worship today. I'm not going to worry about all my stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tap into something that's higher than who I am. God is in control of everything, including the galaxies, as the scripture says, galaxies and governments. He's in charge of everything. You know, there's, there's nothing happening in this world that God does not know about. He sits up in heaven. He is ruling. He's reigning. He's bringing us all through this process called the, redempt, the, the plan of redemption or the redemptive plan. 
And by the way, that started in Genesis. It didn't start in the New Testament. Redemption was in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, all the way through the book of Revelation. The entire revelation of Scripture is about one person, and that person's name is Jesus. And the revelation of Jesus was given to his people for one reason, and that is salvation and to have a relationship with him. It's not as complicated as we make it, right? So what we need to do is we need to remember he's in charge. That when I turn on the news sometimes, and I, I love the news, I'm, I've always been kind of a news junkie, you know, but lately I've been praying for like news anonymous because I'm tired of the news. You know why? Because the news is so crazy today. There's nothing I can do to change anything except for pray. I just, I found myself during the, watching the news, just praying, just praying to Jesus, just praying to God because I know he's in charge. Taking my focus from here and focusing my, my attention onto Jesus and just releasing things to him. He's in charge of the world. History is his story. It's not our problem. History is his story. He's moving things in the redemptive plan and the, re, the d- direction that it needs to go. And even the galaxies, the, the picture here is that God is even in charge of the stars. I had the interns this last year. We spent two hours one night talking about the principle of infinity. Now, the principle of infinity is so overwhelming because we can't understand it. I mean, the very thought that you could sit here under the beautiful Colorado sky, look up at the stars, and realize that there is no beginning to what you see, and there is no ending to what you see. If it doesn't lead you to God, it leads you to insanity, which is part of what's happened to humanity. There's no beginning And there's no end. And at the end of the conversation, literally all of the interns, about eight of them around the room, looked like they had just run a marathon. Some of them had their heads on the table. They were pounding the table, yelling, stop. It was awesome. Stop. I can't take anymore. But the idea that God created with a thought and with a word from inside of who God is, I'm going to create the universe. That there will be this thing called infinity, where there, infinity, there's no beginning and there's no ending to anything. And then we get afraid to talk about the stars, right? Because then you get into astrology and stuff. Somebody the other day asked me what my, what my uh, sign was. I was so excited. I was like, Taurus. I only know that because my mom told me, Taurus, bull, you know, I mean, Taurus. Well, you know, you go back in time astronomy was a, was a huge part of, of the existence of humanity. They followed the stars. If God created the stars, then God even has something to say about the stars. You see, we have to make sure that we understand that. I love Psalms 147. Verse 4 says this. He determined the number of stars, and he calls each of them by their individual name. That's our God. You know, I was thinking even about, thinking even, because I'm thinking about Christmas already, right? What the Christmas series is going to be. I was, th- <laughs> I, know. I was thinking about, about the Magi, about, about the wise men who came to see baby Jesus. And they saw the star in the east, right? The star in the east. And remember, people only had the stars. They didn't have um, GPS back then. They, they simply had the stars. In Philippians chapter 2, when it says, shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life, it simply means that let your life be like a star that we can navigate our life by. Shine in such a way through Christ that we can follow you and that we can understand you. Give us something. Give us some hope. That's what Philippians says. But that's all they had was the stars. So the Magi 
You've probably heard all this, but the, the, the Magi saw a star. Now, the Magi weren't believers. They weren't Christians. They were astronomers. They were wise men. People still debate today what they were, but they saw a star. The star appeared in the sky, and so they followed it. As soon as it appeared, they began to follow it, and some believe it took them up to two years to find baby Jesus. So baby Jesus was not in swaddling clothes. Baby Jesus was not just a little. He was a toddler. He was beginning to bite. Come on, somebody. And... <laughs> And they weren't living in the manger. They didn't find him in the manger, by the way. That's not in Scripture. He was probably living in a house at that point um, or in a home. So it took them two years to get there because they began to follow the star. But the star, they were astrologers. They looked up into the sky. And one day as they look up into the sky, they see the constellation Virgo, which means virgin. And out of nowhere, a star came out and landed right in the belly, right under the belly of the constellation inside the virgin. And when they looked up, they knew from their own mythology, their own belief system, that when the star landed inside of the middle of the of Virgo, the, the, the virgin constellation, that there would be a, a child born and he would be a king. And so not even knowing who the king was, they just began to follow the sign, the star that was inside of the virgin Virgo in the sky because God even works through the stars. Make your God bigger. Well, have you ever just sat somewhere in the Rocky Mountains and thought to yourself, I am nothing. See, see we, we have to understand that the God we serve is not a Denver God alone. He is a universe God. He knows each of the stars by name. He counted them. There are stars all the way through scripture. You can find how they were viewed and how they were followed and how they were treated. So we have a God that is in charge of everything. Nothing is out from under his rule, from galaxies to governments. That's the Jesus that we serve. Can I hear an amen? Okay. So if this is the God that we serve, that God has put us here and we are the church. So now let's fast forward into the New Testament. And I want to look at three portions of scripture just for a minute. The first one is in Matthew chapter 16. And it says this, you've all heard this verse. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So if, if God is in charge of the church, and you and I are the church, because let me define church for you, okay? The word church in the New Testament never refers to a building and always refers to a people, okay? So God, who is building his church, his church is made up of people. It's not made up of property or buildings or tents or, or brick or mortar. The church is always the people. And then the scripture calls you the bricks, that God is putting into place with Jesus, the chief cornerstone, who's the builder of all of it. And we'll do that one in a week or two. But here, here we are, and uh, we have the church. So the church is either people in a, on the earth as a whole, the big church, or it's the church in localities. He actually has a plan. From the universe to your neighborhood, he has a plan. Did you know that there are about 114 verses in the New Testament that refer to the church? Out of those 114 verses, 97 of those verses are written to the local church. So God has something to say from the universe to the neighborhood. All of those verses were directed to churches and cities, to the, to the believers of the saints in, in the city of Corinth or Ephesus or Philippi, whatever it is. He was writing to us. So how incredible is it that the God who named the stars actually cares about our city? Yeah. 
Come on. That does something inside of me. Then look what it says. I'm going to give you something. He said, verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, it's going to be bound in heaven. Now, what I want you to notice is this, that when you begin to think of this in the reverse, because we tend to think earth first, heaven, about us, then God, or us, then others, that's the tendency. The scripture does not say that he is going to give us the keys to the kingdom of earth. And what happens is, as I've heard this preached this way, as Christians and prayer people and intercessors, and a few of you are even what I call charismaniacs, and I would fit into that corner, we love to pray and bind things. And we pray for the key. Give us the key to the city. Give us the key. What's the key? What's the key? Let's, 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 let's open it up. Come on, Jesus. Let's go open it up. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that Jesus is going to give you the key to this, like this, this horizontal thing that we're doing. God's not going to, hey, here's the key that opens it. But this is the way it's preached. The Bible says he's going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Not earth. If you want the kingdom earth keys, go ahead. Because they're not going to get you very far. And they're not going to open the doors that you think they're going to open. But if you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven, check it out. The arsenal that you need to open is not down here. It's up there. It's above us. For he's given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. For our weapons are not weapons of this world. Right? But they're, they're weapons that intercession and prayer and for pulling down strongholds. These are the king. We just need to, the more we focus on heaven, the more that we see things happen on earth. But if, we're, if we stay down here in this, in this mindset and we never take the keys and we open up the arsenals of heaven, then we're fighting with the weapons of our own warfare, our frustration, our anger, our intellect. And it doesn't work. And so God up in heaven from, from the universe to the neighborhood, from the neighborhood into your living room. The God in heaven cares about my living room? Yeah, he does. He cares about my child? He does. He knows every person on this planet as much as he knows every star in heaven. Because the Bible says to, he said to Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. And if you could count them, you'd know how many children. And if he knows how the names of every star, he knows the name of every child. From the, from the universe to your neighborhood, to your living room, to your marriage, to your family, God really cares. But we have to make sure that when we're fighting, sometimes you got to just let the earthly stuff go. You have to look up to heaven and you say, Lord, I need a key. Father, help me to open up something in another realm, in the heavenly realm that is so far beyond me and so far above me that it's only going to happen in, in a worship service or while I'm reading a scripture, it's going to pop into my head or when someone lays hands on me to pray for me or, or when I'm at the end of my rope and I finally get to a place where I don't want to figure it out anymore. I just can't. It's too much. Come to me in the middle of my prayers. Come on. When I'm in tears, when I don't know how to handle it, come to me after a big giant fight with my spouse. Come on. That's what I need you. And he just comes in. And when you turn towards heaven, there's something in your hand. You didn't even know. And it just goes, right? Keys. Our keys are not, are not from here. 
Does anyone have in your house keys you don't know what they go to? <laughs> Most Christians, this is, this is how they live. Jesus gave you, he's, he handed you the keys. Husbands, if your wife has ever handed you a set of keys and you lost them, that's humanity. That's God and us. Jesus, God gave us a set of keys and we can't find them. Where are they? See, here, here's the thing about a key. So in my house, we have so many keys. Had. I got so frustrated. My family in 10 years, in this journey, my family has moved nine times. How many of you hated one move? Come on. Imagine being like the nomadic people of the plains. And my wife and I, we never unpacked a box. We didn't, five, six years, we hadn't even unpacked a box. We had, we had storage rooms that were filled with our stuff. And how many of you know by the time I got there, I didn't want the stuff anymore. It was like, I don't even, what is that? I don't even, who bought that? Where, where did that come from? Who, who are you to buy that, Donna? Right? So we have keys. So I got so frustrated with the number of keys from all of our moves and all of our stuff uh, that I went to the drawers. The, you know, the drawers where the, the lost keys go, the keys that have no, the, the island of, of misfit keys. And I went there and there was a pile of keys. And I got so, because I was looking for a house key and I couldn't find one. So I finally took them all and I just wrapped them up and I just threw them all in the trash. And, and I never did find a house key. <laughs> and then just yesterday, I open a drawer and a cupboard and just boom, out of nowhere, a key like falls into my hand. And it was the house key. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> the Lord, the Lord. See, here's, here's the thing about a key. Keys have a mystery to them. What do they open? And when God gives us keys, we, we, instead of spending our time wrestling with everything that we're trying to figure out on our own, what we should be doing is saying, Jesus, what does this key open? What does it say here? You gave me some keys. Jingle, jingle. What is this one? That's the key of prayer. Instead of talking to everybody else, you should talk to me. Watch what happens. Instead of gossiping, you know, just watch what happens. Instead of, instead of talking all the time and never listening, can I tell you what prayer is? Prayer is not you talking all the time. Prayer should not be like a conversation with a 12-year-old middle school girl. Both of my daughters were like 11 years old, both of them. And I would say, how was your day? They would go, hmm. no, sweetheart, beautiful child of mine, the apple of my eye. How was your day? Mm. No, come on, talk to me. How was your day? Then they would go like this. And if they took a big breath, it was like, oh no. 30 minutes later, Susie this, and the teacher that, and this and the desk, and the person that, and the feeling, oh, my hair, and so-and-so, and I'm mad at him, and Kai, and blah, blah, and this. And all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, I was like, why did I... <laughs> you know prayer is not prayer is not just blah. 
You can do that. God likes it when you do. He'd rather have you do that with, with him and somebody else. But prayer is listening. Wow, keys. God gave us two ears, one mouth. Learn to listen in that proportion and see what happens. What do you have to say, Lord? All right, so keys. So there's a mystery. But also, have you ever noticed that a really small key can open something really big? I went out to open up our trailer one day where all of our church equipment was being stored. It's a 20-something foot trailer, big giant double doors on it, this, this huge lock, it's round, it's about this big. But do you know when I went to get the key for that lock, it was the tiniest little key in the whole building, that big, it's a little teeny tiny key. And I go up to this big giant lock and I go, and I turn it and the lock falls off and the double doors open, and everything that I need is on the inside. You see, sometimes the keys to us, we think they're big. We think they're overwhelming, but they're not. They're simple. Small keys can open really big potential in your life, really big relationship with Jesus. And so we have to remember that God has given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, now look down here at Ephesians chapter 20, or chapter one, verse 20 again, and it says, the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. So we have the church, God built the church on us, um, we're his children, he's given us keys to the kingdom of God, and by the way, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, it's not gonna happen. So the God of the universe who comes down to your city, who resides in your living room and sits in the deep part of your heart, he's right there, and by the way, hell is not going to win, can I hear an amen, right? And then he says, he says look, if I can name the stars, do you not understand that the church is not peripheral to the world? In other words, we're not just hanging out, reacting to what the world does. We're not an accessory to the world. The world revolves literally around what is happening in this room. Now, it's hard to, it's, sometimes it's hard to wrap your brain around, but if you understand that the God of the universe breathed life into you and me, he knows the stars by name and he's in charge and he put the church here, you and me, and hell's not gonna win. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world revolves around the work, the redemptive plan of God, which is happening in local churches all over the world, house churches, churches in fields, churches in caves, churches in stadiums, churches in cathedrals, churches in funny buildings with points, churches that have like, that churches all over the place. The world revolves around this. The most powerful thing happening in Denver, Colorado is what is happening in 2,000 living rooms today. And the earth literally has, has having birthing pains. The Bible talks about the earth having birthing pains. As people find Jesus for the first time, the enemy is defeated and people find new life. The world literally just shakes because the church is the most powerful organization on the planet. And the world revolves around it. Because if you don't understand that, you'll never understand the authority that you have. If you don't understand that, you'll never understand how much mission that you possess. You don't understand the, the, the weapons and the, the arsenal that is opening, has been opened to us if we can understand it. The world is not peripheral. The world or the church is not peripheral. The world is peripheral to what is happening 
right here. Now check this out in Ephesians uh, in verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, being Jesus, to be head over everything. Everyone say everything. I'm almost done. Everything. Look at this. Everything for the church. Say for the church. So when Jesus was appointed as the ruler, God appointed him to be the head over everything. It wasn't for Jesus because Jesus was already complete. Jesus wasn't going, I have a need. I'm insecure. I need to rule something, Father. You rule over me. Who do I get to rule over? I'm going to give you the world. I'm going to give you the earth. Thank you. No. Jesus was complete. The revelation, the truth is this, is that God made him ruler over everything for you. For you. So that you can do what God's called you to do. So that you can be who God's called you to be. So that we can do what God has called us to do. And now all of a sudden, universe, neighborhood, living room, heart, God flips it in the New Testament, heart, living room, neighborhood, universe. Now we get to impact the other direction. God made him ruler over everything and put the world under his feet so that he could be the greatest resource that you will ever have. And that's why he gave you the key. He gave you the key because there's resource for you. There's a place for you. There's hope for you. There's help for you. There's faith for you. There's purpose for you. There's love for you. There's grace for you. There's so many things that you have. Jesus has all of it. Jesus is just going, I got everything. What do you need? You need help? Boom. You need happiness? Let's go. It might cost you a little pain, but you need to get rid of that stuff anyways. We're going to do a little thing we call the refiner's fire. And then, and then you're going to shine like pure gold. Come on. And you over there in the back over there somewhere, you need a little pruning. And so we're just going to, Jesus, I want to be happy. Jesus goes, okay, we got to do it my way. Heaven's way. The arsenal is pruning. So we're just going to, we're going to cut it all the way and you're going to feel a little, a little not as awesome as you were last week, but then I'm going to fill you and, and you're going to bear more fruit than you've ever had in your life. You see, he did, he did this in Jesus, with Jesus, for the church. All right, look, I'll wrap right here. Four things. Jesus gave, God gave Jesus authority over all things for the church. You have to learn to relate to Jesus through the authority of his resurrection. Jesus resurrected, and so now we live with him in the resurrection. Now, I did a message on this a while back, but relating to Jesus in the resurrection is not like relating to him before the resurrection. Before the resurrection, the disciples had questions, struggled with their faith. There's things going on after the resurrection. The disciples all sat with him uh, for 40 days before the ascension, and, all, and, and Thomas, doubting Thomas, was all fixed. And Judas wasn't there. And he got it all worked out. Relating with him in the resurrection is relating with him in the fulfillment of all of his promises as opposed to the promise to be yet fulfilled. You're with me? So when you understand this whole thing with what Jesus did, you relate to him in his resurrection. Second, when you re relate to God this way, you release your own plans 
because he is the head. Let him figure it out when you can't figure it out. Let him work it out when you can't work it out. So the world's under his feet, appointed him as the head. Number three, you change the way that you view the church. The church is no longer like the small-minded little group of people without vision. The church has God's vision, and we're going to fulfill it. We're going to change the world. Can I hear an amen? I want to say just real quickly something about theology. If, if your theology is that in the end that the church loses, there's a theology that says the church is going to lose. And we're all just sitting around waiting for Jesus to pull us out at the last second. If you believe the church is going to lose, and you believe we're just waiting in the, in the middle of our lost, broken world, and that we can't do anything, if that's your theology, listen to this. How you view the end dictates how you live today. If you believe the church is victorious, then I want to be on a winning team. And it changes church. See, the church, the church is... Um, is the most powerful entity on planet earth. You have to begin to view it that way. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And lastly, you will change the way that you view your, your role in the church, the fullness of him. How many of you want to serve God with all your heart? Come on. How many of you believe that God's called you to be a part of the biggest thing happening in the world? Who wants to be a part of a winning team? Come on. Who wants to let God touch you and do something great for him? The God of the universe has called your name and he's got your, he's got your ticket. He's got your stuff. He knows you. He wants to use you. How many of you want to be used by God to let his kingdom just grow and people get saved? All right, God bless you. Stand to your feet this morning. Let me pray for you. But I want everyone as you're standing, all you folks down here and even those people up there, I want you to shout the word church. All right. One more time. Say church. Okay, now this time I want you to shout church. And when you do, I want you to clap your hands really loud. And I'm going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Church. Come on. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you that you have come uh, down to earth in, in, in the form of the body of Jesus and you, you died on the cross for our sins or from the universe. Come on, from the universe to our neighborhood, to our living room, into our hearts. And today, Jesus, we're thankful for what you're doing in our hearts today. We love you so much because we know that it all begins with a relationship with you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never had the, the thought that the God of the universe came down and walked with you, talked with you, and he's here right now, that same Jesus that knows every name of every star knows you. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, receive Jesus as your Savior, or look, if you've been struggling for a long time, and you know it's time to come back to the Lord. You, you're ready to say, Lord, I want to do this again. I'm not perfect. I'm going to need your help, but, I, but I'm ready. If that's you, heads bowed and eyes closed. When I count three, I want you to lift your hands. One, two, three. Come on, if that's you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, Jesus loves you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus loves you so much. It's a great day for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, young person. Thank you. I love you. Come on, keep your hands lifted. Pray this with me, church. Say, Lord Jesus, here we are in your universe, and here you are in my heart. Forgive me, God. Thank you, Jesus, for all my doubt, all my mistakes. And today, 
I am in your presence and you are in everything Lord Savior King in Jesus name now clap and shout to God let's sing a song take the offering